Thank you for listening to the Your Mindful Coach podcast, part of the Center for Self-Care Network. This is Mark Balser. I'm pleased to share with you today Comfortable with Uncertainty, a evening workshop held in October 2019. This workshop includes some teaching, as well as several practices that you'll want to make time for, including a loving-kindness practice and a practice where we work with the uncertainty and doubt and fear that's inevitable in a human life. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website, www.center4selfcare.com, where you can find the accompanying handout, as well as several blog posts you might enjoy. Thank you. So I appreciate your bravery and courage in coming out tonight and coming out to this topic, how to become comfortable with uncertainty. I hope you can uh, develop some empathy for me as well, because uh, earlier this week I discovered that I have to teach a class called Comfortable with Uncertainty. And you can imagine that happened exactly at the time where uncertainty went straight up through the roof. <laughs> I had a uh, unexpected 19-year-old come home from college, but we've gotten him back to college, so that's, that's good news. Um, so uh, tonight I'll share some, some teachings. I'll share some uh, mindfulness and meditation practices. And we'll also have a really concrete takeaway as we leave tonight that we'll practice with, but also you'll be able to take home and bring into your experience, bring into your life as the days unfold. Uh, so my name's Mark Balser. I've met many of you before. How many of you have done a program with me in the past? Okay, so most of us. Great. Uh, I, I've been teaching for six, seven years or so. And uh, my practice comes from the mindfulness meditation tradition. So uh, in mindfulness meditation, we use the raw material of our experience. We use the breath, the body, we use sound, we use sensation, uh, and we also use thoughts and emotions that are swirling. If we've got those, we can practice mindfulness. We don't need a special room, we don't need a candle to stare at, uh, special clothing, uh, we can practice in any moment. So two quotes I wanted to share with you, and this is from Joe Zimmerman. Anybody ever heard of him? I hadn't until I saw this one. I've been learning to meditate. I didn't realize all you have to do is sit there with your eyes closed and worry about everything. He's a comedian, so. And then Voltaire, who I'm not well read on, but he, he says, doubt is an uncomfortable condition but certainty is a ridiculous one. So we'll practice with this uncertainty that's part of our human experience tonight. Uh, and so we'll hopefully develop some wisdom, connect with some wisdom, but uh, we wanna balance that. So I wanna bring some compassion into our work together as well. So we're gonna start out with a simple practice of loving kindness. If you haven't done loving kindness before, uh, you're invited to bring to mind uh, a variety of people, uh, a loved one, uh, a role model or a mentor, maybe a friend or a neighbor, and bring an image of them to your mind. And you'll pair that with 
repeated, repeated phrases. So traditional phrases are the, along the lines of, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I be safe, and may I be at peace. So we direct those towards ourselves and also towards others. It's a way of kind of softening the heart, uh, gladdening the heart as we bring to mind those people that are important to us. Does that sound okay? There's no proper way to sit, whatever supports comfort, but also attention, some focus. We'll, We'll kind of slowly come into this practice. So you can let your eyes close as you're ready. Gathering the state of affairs, feeling the body, resting in the chair, the connection of your feet with the floor, the feeling in your hands. Notice any pulsing or tingling in the fingers, any pressure as they rest on your clothing or each other. Perhaps noting the temperature, the quality of the air as it moves along your skin, the hands, the face. Allowing the body to come to a stillness. Noticing the movement of the mind, but not trying to change it or make it a certain way. Just allowing your experience to be as it is in this moment. And as you're ready, you might bring to mind a loved one, someone for whom your love comes quite easily. It might even be a pet, someone with whom your relationship isn't so complicated. Let an image of this being form in your mind. Notice how you feel as you reflect on this being. Any sense of serenity or happiness, love or compassion. And feel it in your body, the area of your heart, And as you're ready, silently repeating the following phrases and directing them towards this being. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. And may you be 
at peace. And repeating these phrases over and over, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you be at peace. And sensing this being receiving your wishes. Imagine how they might feel to receive this gift from you. Now letting the image of this being fade and bringing to mind a dear friend. Visualizing them doing what they love best. Imagining that you're there with them. And again, offering the phrases, may you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you be at peace. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you be at peace. Noticing what arises in you. Any thoughts or feelings perhaps even feeling it in the body. There's a softening of the belly or the shoulders or the muscles of the face. Once again, letting this image fade and bringing to mind a role model a mentor or benefactor who has been meaningful in your life. Might be someone you know, might be a spiritual figure or a great leader. And bring an image of this being to your mind and sharing your wishes with them.
May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. And may you be at peace. You might notice memories, affections, just allowing for your experience, wishing for happiness and safety and health for this being. And now directing these phrases of loving kindness to yourself. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be safe. May I be at peace. Sensing the intention, sensing the aspiration that while we may or may not be experiencing these things now, we as do all beings wish to be happy and healthy, safe and at peace. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be safe. And may I be at peace. And in these last few moments of practice, you might offer one additional wish, a wish for yourself, a wish for our group, that we might share wisdom and compassion together and as we return to the world. As you're ready, returning a bit of movement to your body, perhaps stretching your legs and arms, fluttering the eyes open and closed, and coming back to our group.
a couple of themes that I'm looking forward to sharing with you tonight. Nothing I'm going to share with you is new. <laughs> In fact, at best, we're just uncovering things that we already know, but we cover up with our conditioning and busyness and all of the life <laughs> that, we, that we live. But one theme is uh, no end to uncertainty. As soon as we figure one thing out, something else <laughs> leaves our grasp. Uh, a thought about possibility versus probability. As I'm thinking about uncertainty and trying to get to certainty, I spend a lot of my time on what is probably going to happen. And that tends to close off my world. And so in the practice we do later, we're going to allow for some crazy ideas. You know, there's probable outcomes for the circumstances or decisions that we're uh, approaching, but what other possibilities are there that we might have not have considered? I'll share from some tools for working with the busy mind. And I think the ultimate a reminder is that we're not trying to change the circumstances of our experience, but more so how we relate to our experience. And in my own practice, uh, as I came early to meditation, I found that my reactivity to the world was really the challenge that people around me were <laughs> identifying. As I became a little bit more thoughtful in my response, uh, my circumstances changed without me having to do a whole lot that makes sense. As we do that, I encourage you to focus on feeling states, emotional states, sensations in the body, just as much as thoughts. We usually try to rationalize and intellectualize how we can fix things, but the body often knows the score. As you're reflecting on a difficult decision that you're making or a, a challenging circumstance you're in, Listen to the body, listen to the heart as part of this practice. And resist the urge to try to figure it out. We're not going to eliminate <laughs> uncertainty tonight. Uh, the last time, a month ago, uh, we worked with the busy mind. I, I know, Dottie, you are here. Was anybody else here last month? And part of that model was there's a couple of different things we can do with a busy mind. We can let it be. And so in our practice, when we're not trying to fix things or eliminate thought from our mind in meditation, uh, that's the ultimate practice of letting be. We can give the mind a job. So our ruminating, thinking, planning, worrying mind, we're going to give it a job tonight. You know, you do that with a disruptive student in class. You do that when your children or grandchildren are uh, a little bit chippy. You put them in charge of something and they forget that they were frustrated. And then uh, finally, we can engage with it. So we can ask it questions. What's that about? Why does that fear pattern, that habit pattern keep coming up for me? And so there's a poem I wanted to share with you. Uh, it's from the poet Dana Faults, and it's called Allow. There is no controlling life. There's no controlling life. Try corralling a lightning bolt containing a tornado. 
dam a stream, and it will create a new channel. Resist, and the tide will sweep you off your feet. Allow, and grace will carry you to higher ground. The only safety, the only safety lies in letting it all in. The wild and the weak, fear, fantasies, failures, and success. When loss rips off the doors of the heart or sadness veils your vision with despair, practice becomes simply bearing the truth. In the choice to let go of your known way of being, the whole world is revealed to your new eyes. Just to share some inspirations for this workshop tonight, one of the major uh, inspirations is uh, teacher Pema Chodron. Has anybody uh, heard of her? She's written quite a few books. This one's called Comfortable with Uncertainty. Sounds familiar. Uh, She's also written Start Where You Are and several other books in the uh, Shambhala tradition of meditation and mindfulness. So Pema Chodron, she has this chapter here, very short chapter called Staying in the Middle. And as I read it, see how, how it relates to your experience. Openness doesn't come from resisting our fears, but from getting to know them well. We can't cultivate fearlessness without compassionate inquiry into the workings of ego. So we ask ourselves, what happens when I feel I can't handle what's going on? What are the stories I tell myself? What repels me and what attracts me? Where do I look for strength and in what do I place my trust? The first thing that takes place in meditation is that we start to see what's happening. Even though we still run away and we still indulge, we see what we're doing clearly. We acknowledge our aversions and our cravings. We become familiar with the strategies and beliefs we use to fortify our cocoon. With mindfulness as our method, we start to get curious about what's going on. For quite a long time, we just see it clearly. To the degree that we're willing to see our indulging and our repressing clearly, they begin to wear themselves out. That's that giving it a job. Wearing out is not exactly the same as going away. Instead, a wider, more generous, more enlightened perspective arises. How we stay in the middle between indulging and repressing is by acknowledging whatever arises without judgment, letting the thoughts dissolve, and then going back to the openness of this present moment. That's what we're actually doing in meditation. Up come all these thoughts, but rather than squelch them or obsess with them, we acknowledge them and let them go. Then we come back to just being here. After a while, that's how we relate with hope and fear in our daily lives. Out of nowhere, we stop struggling and relax. We see our storyline, drop it, 
and come back to the freshness of the present moment. Let's take five minutes or so to the extent you feel comfortable sharing, sharing how you respond to uncertainty. There's these kind of habitual responses, fight, flight, or freeze. We might procrastinate and push away. I'm a perfectionist, a workaholic, so I'm, I'm fighting, I'm engaging. But we also might ignore or, uh, or try to create kind of a, a world that really isn't the way the world's working. So just a few minutes to talk about uh, that question, how do you respond to uncertainty? Does that sound okay? Uh, one of the things I notice when I'm feeling uncertainty is I try to uh, infect everybody with that same uncertainty. Uh, any anybody else? Or no, just me. Uh, you know, like I'll come downstairs when I'm, you know, this is the 18-year-old at college again, and I'm like, is he going to come home? Are we going to have to pay for another college and getting him back and so on? And I'm, I'm trying to get her riled up and worked up to make myself feel better. Now, Harvey was asking if I knew, knew I was doing it. I guess a little, and then you realize you really are, and that, that's my instruction to back off. But I, I recognize that I do that kind of behavior sometimes. Uh, this is a pretty fierce practice, uh, not trying to push it away, but, but sitting with uh, uncomfortable feelings, sitting with doubt. There's no way to talk about uncertainty without talking about fear. Uh, and uh, that's Pema Children, she calls it uh, she calls it a warrior practice. This is uh, the wisdom of no escape. The central question of a warrior's training is not how we avoid uncertainty and fear, but how we relate to discomfort. How do we practice with difficulty, with our emotions, with the unpredictable encounters of an ordinary day? For those of us with a hunger to know the truth, painful emotions are like flags going up to say, you're stuck. We regard disappointment, embarrassment, irritation, jealousy, and fear as moments that show us we're holding back, how we're shutting down. Such uncomfortable feelings are messages that tell us to perk up and lean into a situation when we'd rather cave and back away. When the flag goes up, we have an opportunity we can stay with our painful emotion instead of spinning out. Staying is how we get the hang of gently catching ourselves when we're about to let resentment harden into blame, righteousness, or alienation. It's also how we keep from smoothing things over by talking ourselves into a sense of relief or inspiration. This is easier said than done. Ordinarily, we are swept away by habitual momentum. We don't interrupt our patterns even slightly. That's me passing that frustration onto my wife. With practice, however, we learn to stay with a broken heart, with a nameless fear, with the desire for revenge. 
Sticking with uncertainty is how we learn to relax in the midst of chaos. How we learn to be cool when the ground beneath us suddenly disappears. We can bring ourselves back to the spiritual path countless times every day, simply by exercising our willingness to rest in the uncertainty of the present moment over and over again. Here's a, here's a practice. How many of you have goals? Anybody got a goal? I, I mean, at work, they're probably making you do a SMART goal. You know the SMART goals? Specific, specific measurable, achievable, reasonable? Relevant and timely. Yeah. Um, goals are great. <laughs> goals, goals are how we evaluate our progress on a path. Goals are how we adjust. Uh, they, they help us prioritize. They help us visualize an outcome. Sometimes we can find ourselves just building new goals on top of old goals on top of old goals. I want to do something with my diet. I want to start exercising. I want to change my relationship with somebody. And we make new goals. We make New Year's resolutions that look exactly the same as last year's New Year's resolutions. So it certainly isn't to say that we shouldn't be setting goals, but we might look at them in a different way, particularly because oftentimes our main strategy with goals is, is willpower, you know, just the force of will to make it happen. And so some days our motivation is high, some days it's low, some days it's high, and our goal is asking for you know, a little bit more stable level of, of contribution. So we're going to explore, maybe we'll call it a goal, maybe a decision that you have to make, a decision you've been meaning to make. Maybe you don't know what the decision is yet. Maybe working with some kind of difficult circumstance in your life, a troubled relationship. Maybe it's a decision to retire or to move. All of these things are wonderful things to work with. So I want to give you a minute or so to kick around a couple things in your mind that you might want to work with as the basis of this practice will do. I would strongly recommend against picking the most difficult thing going on right now. Uh, I will give you these questions that we work with. You can take them home. You know, take a slow build until you get to the most challenging thing. I'm going to give you a minute or so, and then I'm going to invite you to the extent you feel comfortable to share the general nature of the goal or the decision that you want to work with with your partner. So I'd say it could be, oh, this is about a relationship that I'm struggling with, or oh, this is a decision I have to make at work. You don't have to get too far into it, but take that minute, and then I'll ring the bell, and we'll have a minute or two to share a little bit about what we might want to work on. Are there any questions? I realize this is a bit ambiguous and amorphous, but when you say work on, like how when you could be simple, specific, but when you say work on something that really work on that product class, so we're gonna do like a ten to fifteen minute guided practice okay. that will use that as kind of the raw material. Sure. Yeah. But it might be a very binary decision. Should I do it or not? Am I gonna, you know, ask for that promotion or raise or something like that or not. Is that okay? And as, as I'm guiding it, um, one of the most wonderful things to do is to change it in the middle. When you're like, wait, that question is the question I'm needing to answer about this other thing. So, you know, there's no grades here. Hopefully we'll all get C pluses or so.
So take a minute or so silently, and then I'll ring the bell and we can share a little bit with our partner. Just to walk you through this process, it's um, a practice from an author named Tim Ferriss. He wrote The Four-Hour Workweek, and ironically enough, the author of The Four-Hour Workweek has to work at least 90 hours a week. He's never stopping. Uh, and this practice is called fear setting. The idea is that fear setting, we're always working on setting new goals, but we often get tripped up in the same spot. We get tripped up in procrastination and perfectionism and denying that we had that as a goal to begin with. So what if we flip that around and looked at our fears? I've taught this a couple of times in the last week, and I've been using the example, an example of someone who stabbed me in the back. And it's someone that I have to interact with. And so I went through the process of this fear setting to figure out how to re-engage with this person. I think I'm going to go with a more mundane one tonight, which is I had to prepare this class and I started getting really nervous. What are they going to think? So I did this fear setting process and it actually helped me get back to literally planning the agenda for the night because mostly I was just sitting around worrying and trying to figure out what you wanted to hear and so on. I was stuck. I'm going to guide you through a meditation practice. We'll, we'll work with some questions, but I'll tell you what they are ahead of time. The first step is defining. So I'm working with the situation of like, oh my gosh, I got I to gotta have this class ready and it's not getting done. And so the definition question is, what's the worst that could happen? So you reflect on that question. And as I reflected on that question, I thought some interesting things. I don't know how to say it out loud with you here, but we don't know each other all that well. If you think this is the worst thing that ever happened, you'll probably walk out the door and we'll never see each other again. So the worst that could happen, like you really hate it, but there won't be a lot of long-term consequences. What else is the worst that could happen? I don't know. Somebody that was real. Yeah, I fed somebody, somebody that was really into meditation came and is like, oh, that's meditation? Nah, I, I changed my mind. Uh, and, and so reflecting on some of those worst case scenarios uh, with the person who stabbed me in the back, she'll never talk to me again. That's the worst that could happen. What else? That's it. There's not that much else. And then moving on to kind of a prevention question. What could you do to prevent this from happening? So in the case of you being offended or hating the class, well, I need to share something that is really embodied, that's really important to me and meaningful to me. You all know that I struggle with uncertainty, so being able to share my own experience with you will probably help connect, create some relevance. Um, so preparation is a really important element of working with that. And then the next question is, how might I repair it? So what could I do to correct it if and when it happens? And that might be a little hairier with this situation of, you know, well, I could follow up with the person. I could offer resources. 
I could check in with the library to say, you know, next time you see this person, just let them know that I, I apologize. Um, in the in the situation with uh, the person who stabbed me in the back, uh, I might not have a whole lot that I can do to repair, but through my actions and behaviors interacting with her in the future, I can perhaps reprove myself with her. Does that make sense? And then what might the benefits of an attempt at this goal or decision or even a partial success be? So fortunately, I have my experience that pretty much every time I leave this room, I feel pretty good about what happened. I feel like people enjoyed it, that people had something that they could bring home with them. So just that feeling, um, the visualization of how I'm going to feel in the future is pretty special stuff. So maybe I should go for it. And then if I avoid this action or decision or goal or decisions like it, what will my life look like in six months or 12 months or 36 months? And I guess reflecting on that question now, not, not much. I mean, not much will change. So the stakes aren't very high. I can let loose a little um, with this other person. Uh, if I don't do anything about it, I'll probably, like, every time I see this person, kind of cringe. Or So, you know, maybe I should go for that partial success. So you will, when you're done meditating, have a a little whiteboard here with a piece of paper on it so that you can jot down any, any notes that you have as you do this practice. So I'll kind of guide you through it, asking those questions, but kind of supplementing them with some other uh, questions that you might consider and reflect on. So we'll practice for 10 minutes or so. You know, if you find emotions getting a little strong, you might just come back to feeling the breath in the body, like just notice your belly rising and falling. But I think, I think we got this. So as you're ready, letting your eyes close, dropping into this practice by connecting with the breath in the body, letting the breath be naturally, be natural. Letting the breath nourish you as you bring to mind this goal or decision or circumstance you'd like to work with. Let it become real. Bringing to mind your thoughts, even your ruminations about this goal or decision, letting images or even scenes related to this form in your mind, sense what you feel in the body, any tightness or heaviness. any sensation at all that relates to this situation. And 
Notice any emotions as they come and go. As you reflect on this goal, on this decision that you might make. And without searching for an answer, without telling a story, see what arises when you ask this question. What's the worst thing that could happen? As I reflect on actions I might take, what's the worst thing that could happen? Would it be permanent? Would it be unfixable? If you put it on a scale of one to 10, how bad is this worst case? What's the worst that could happen? And as a response arises, you might reflect on it and see if you can let it go. Notice what else might come up for you. What's the worst that could happen? And what could you do to prevent this from happening? What actions might you take What words could you say to prevent this worst case from happening? What could you do to correct it if and when this worst case happens? How might you get things back under control? How might you fix this situation?
And what might the benefits of an attempt or even a partial success be? What might that look like? What might the benefits of beginning look like? And if I avoid this action or decision and decisions like it, what will my life look like? six months, 12 months, even years in the future. What is it costing you to put off this action? Physically or emotionally? even financially. Once again, coming back to the wisdom of the body and of the heart, listening closely and asking yourself one final question. What advice do I have for myself? What advice do I have for myself? In these last few moments of practice, you might just rest in presence, giving yourself some appreciation for having tried this out. And then as you open your eyes, I'll have a little worksheet for you here. And... You might take a few minutes, five minutes or so, to jot down any notes that you have, any thoughts, and then we'll uh, take a minute and uh, move into a closing. Probably not a stretch to assume that very very few of us actually figured it all out (laughs) with a five-minute practice. Uh, And certainly this isn't meant to solve the problem, but really to open ourselves up to a different way of thinking, a reframing, uh, an opening to possibilities. Some of the things that 
sometimes happen when I do this practice is I realize it's a futile task. Uh, at one point I was trying to get a, a job as an executive in nonprofits and I was just pounding my head against the wall. And as I went through the scenarios, I said, you know what, maybe now's not the time for that. It might be that the wisdom you gain from that ends up applying to a different problem that you bump into in the middle of the day tomorrow. So you almost feel like, well, the problem I work with, I got nowhere. And then you apply that wisdom elsewhere and it really uh, causes a shift. Well, I wanna honor your time. So just uh, a little bit in closing, thank you so much for coming tonight. I look forward to uh, perhaps seeing you again in November. I think it's the third Wednesday in November. And we're working with self-compassion, uh, which is one of my favorites. It's like a big hug. And it's also a warrior practice. It's also fierce. As part of Center for Self-Care, I offer a Monday night teaching every Monday night at 7.15. It's at Balance for Life Yoga, which is just down the way from Whole Foods in Devon. It's across the street from Poor Richard's Coffee. And it's a 45-minute practice opportunity with a small teaching. And part of the idea behind it is we're trying to trick our minds into not realizing that they're meditating so that we you know, don't all of a sudden try to figure everything out and then our thinking mind goes. So check those out on Monday. Um, your first visit's free, and then it's like a yoga class card kind of thing. And then uh, if you are a man or if you know men, uh, I'm offering a retreat November 22nd to the 24th. It's in Wilkesbury, and uh, the retreat includes all the programming and accommodations and, and food. Um, the theme of that retreat is getting unstuck. So there's a little habit in there as well. A last poem. It's called Bugs in a Bowl by David Budville. We're just like bugs in a bowl, all day going around, never leaving their bowl. I say, that's right, every day climbing up the steep sides, sliding back, over and over again, around and around, up and back down. Sit in the bottom of the bowl, head in your hands, cry, moan, feel sorry for yourself, or look around. See your fellow bugs. Walk around. Say, hey, how you doing? Nice bowl. <laughs> <laughs>